Welcome to Where I'm From, the podcast that proves no matter how far you go, you'll always keep a little piece of home with you. I'm Bill Meeks. This week, Faith Benson, the director of growth marketing for tech startup Gun.io, joins me to talk about where she's from, Allegheny, New York. If you hit Buffalo, you've gone too far. Faith Benson is a growth marketer by trade, but she's also a bit of a podcaster. She's the co-host of two shows, What's a Job?, where she and her co-host Maria Sab talk to people like managers, celebrity wardrobe stylists, and Hollywood studio directors to find out what their jobs actually entail. Faith also co-hosts the Frontier Podcast, a behind-the-scenes look at the trials and tribulations of global tech talent agency Gun.io. Full disclosure, I edit the podcast. And we're not going to be talking about tech today, mostly. We're talking about Faith's hometown, Allegheny, New York. The town of Allegheny sits beside the scenic Allegheny River as it flows through southwestern New York State down to one of my old haunts, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Allegheny was originally called Burton, which is why the Burton Bar and Restaurant is still one of the best spots in town to get a hamburger. It's also where infamous litterer Johnny Appleseed supposedly started his tree planting spree all those years ago. Let's take a bite out of Allegheny with Faith. And I'd like to welcome to the show Faith Benson. How are you doing today, Faith? Hey, Bill. I'm great. How are you doing? Great, great. Uh, so uh, you're in you're in Nashville now. We're talking about New York today, but you're in Nashville now. Has, has uh, the winter hit there yet? We were dangerously close this week. We had a couple mornings where it was 32 uh, when I was out walking the dog, but we're back today. I think we'll be back in like 80 degrees for the next couple of weeks. So our winter is like a, it's a winter. It's like winter light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I used to live just a little bit south of there in Atlanta, and it it very rarely snowed. But when it did, it was like snowpocalypse. You know, <laughs> the whole town oh, yeah. shut down. Yeah, because there's no there's no like plows or anything. There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to like stay inside, walk everywhere. It's pretty crazy. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're not here to talk about your current home of Nashville today. We're here to talk about uh, where you're from, uh, which is Allegheny, uh, New York. I was doing some research and I saw that there's Allegheny, the town, and then Allegheny, the village. Do you know what the difference was there? So, yeah, the village is a lot smaller. It's just like a couple of streets. It's downtown. (laughs) So they are different. They're different jurisdictions. And I think they've got different elections, but the town is where you know, most things happen as far as I know. I know that it's bigger. So <laughs> were you technically from the town or the village? Um, the town. Yeah. Okay. So that's where your pro town bias comes from. I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's not like separate schools or anything. Our school is, is a central school. So it covers like several towns. Mm-hmm. I'm from a really rural place. So I think that's probably true for a lot of folks from those areas where the school is it's less, it's not like Nashville where we've got a, a, a school in every neighborhood. It's, you know, one school covers a huge amount of physical space. So. A huge swath. Yeah. The last episode I recorded, I talked to a guy who was from Kansas and it was like, I think, 10 towns all fed into this one elementary school that had less than 100 students. Oh, yeah. A little bit of difference of scales there. Yeah. Your grandma chairs the Historical Association in Allegheny. This leads me to wonder, does your family have any sort of deep roots in the town or is it something she just got involved with after the fact? 
Yeah, well, she's recently retired from her chair position, but for most of my life, that's kind of what she did. You know, every time we had any sort of like town festival, she made all of us grandchildren, she's got a million, <laughs> wear one of those like sandwich boards, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Where it's oh, yeah, like the... over your shoulders and uh-huh. like advertising the historical association. <laughs> um, so I got into marketing very early. And then my grandfather's family, yes, they do have deep roots in Allegheny. And I, I mean, obviously with the lumber company being 200 years old, I would assume they got there 200 years ago. Talk about deep roots. Right. Yeah. 100%. But Allegheny is like one of those, it's like a classic small town where there's like certain families, like, oh, everybody knows the Fearsdorfs, everybody knows the so and so's. And everybody has like their parts of town that they kind of, you know, there's a, there's a road where most of the potters live. And yeah, I guess you could, I guess that would count as deep roots then. Yeah. <laughs> Podcasting has been overtaken by true crime, and apparently there was a juicy, unresolved murder at a local ski resort uh, where you're from. Uh, So why don't you tell people a little bit about that? Trying to get those numbers. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, people are always searching for, like, ski wing murder. New news. And there never is. But, (laughs) yeah, so this is in the 70s. There's a ski resort. There was a ski resort actually right next to my grandparents' house. Mm -hmm. And by resort, I mean, like, I don't know how many runs there were, maybe 10 runs. Um, people who actually were alive then and skied this hill are going to come for me for being incorrect with all this data, but <laughs> it was small. I don't think true cut crime fans are necessarily focused on the facts. They're focused on like <laughs> yeah. the, the sexiness of the crime. You know? Yeah, I don't think they're worried about how many ski runs there are. I'm from a ski family, though, so my family is going to be like, what do you mean you got that wrong? Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so in the 70s, there was a double homicide at the ski resort. So there were two groomers who were there grooming, um, and they were robbed. And it seems like the robbery went wrong. Mm -hmm. Those two folks were killed, uh, and it's never been solved. They, the whoever committed the murder, stole a safe. That's a hard thing to steal. (laughs) Yeah, it was, like, in the ground. Like, they had to, like, drill it out of the ground. Mm-hmm. So they stole that. And from what I remember, there was not a whole lot of money inside. And then that safe was found actually by my childhood home. There's, uh, like, an abandoned bridge. Um, mm-hmm. And it was found kind of, like, tossed off that bridge. I think it was, like, shortly after the crime that they found it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I think there's been like varying degrees of interest and activity with this um, investigation over the last, what, 50 years? Holy smokes. Um, But generally, I think it's pretty cold. I think I think folks think they know who it was. And it's such a small town that it's like, well, it's probably somebody we know. And I I don't know, just kind of lost team, I guess. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, you know, if it happened in the 70s at this point, if even if they figure out who actually did it, they're probably not there to prosecute at this point. Right. Or if they are, you know, it's like a family. I, I think everybody kind of thinks it was a family, like an organized crime family. Oh, OK. Got, it was a hit. <laughs> yeah, it's like something that kind of comes up every couple of years in my hometown and people remember <laughs> and they're like, oh, my gosh, we got to figure this out. And nothing happens. Is there any sort of like a uh, tourism related to it? Like, or do people like stop into town to like investigate or see see the landmarks or anything? Mm, no, when I was a kid, 
the thing was, you know, when you first got your license and you're just trying to like wreak havoc during witching hour, you drive <laughs> up to Ski Wing and park your car because the, uh, the rumor was that it was haunted. Mm. So this happened. And then I think before this happened, there was an accident on the ski lift where a little boy was killed. Ooh. Yeah, so the the thing was, you know, you go to ski wing to see ghosts. Or mm -hmm. if you're really badass, you go to ski wing and sk carry your skis up the hill uh, <laughs> and ski down the super messy terrain. So, <laughs> yeah, not open to the public unless you're an 18-year-old with little regard for the law. <laughs> it's come up a couple times uh, skiing. Do you have a passion for skiing uh, that you kind of took advantage of while you lived there? I have a passion for um, drinking bourbon and beer in the lodge <laughs> after I do a couple runs. I'm not a competitive skier. My mom is a ski racer. My sister is a really great skier. Um, cousins, aunts, uncles are all good skiers. I have never fallen. I'm a very cautious skier. <laughs> uh, I don't do it nearly as often as I probably should, but every time I go home, we do go. There's a, a town called Ellicottville, which is like 10 minutes from where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And they've got two different real resorts, not like ski wing <laughs> resorts. Uh, so we do that quite often. So you said you've never been injured. Have you ever have you ever done anything competitively? Have, like, have you ever raced on skis or anything like that? Bill, this might come to a surprise to you because we work together and, you know, like at work, I'm pretty competitive. But um <laughs> In anything that has to do with, like, physical fitness, I – whatever the opposite of competitive is, that's what I am. Like, I would, I would like, stop swimming during swim meets and, like, cheer for the other people. Like, go ahead. You got this. Easily um, distracted. Yeah. And also just, like, not interested in trying. Um, mm -hmm. So that's probably a personality flaw of it. Uh, in Allegheny, what was your favorite place to go – eat for a meal? Oh my gosh. Well, Allegheny has one or two restaurants. Uh, so there's <laughs> not a huge selection. There's a couple of standouts. There's a place called Randy's up the river, which is also haunted. So since we're recording this in October, that might be fun to share with folks. Might be spooky. Super spooky. Yeah. <laughs> really scary chicken wings happening over there. Yeah. It's like an old building that's right along the river, as the mm -hmm. name suggests. And there's a bunch of kind of spooky ghost stories that the various owners over the years have shared. But Randy's up the river is the best for like cheap beer, chicken wings, mm -hmm. chicken tender subs, all your like upstate New York junk food. And then when I was growing up, there was a cafe called Linger Longer that I worked at for like six years maybe i love that name yeah it was a Linger cute little place <laughs> <laughs> that was just it was good food when you're a teenager and you know starving all the time so but i think the place in my area the like big city next to allegheny is called olean um and there's mm -hmm. a place called the beef and barrel which is delicious it's just like roast beef everything that's a good that's probably a good taste of like upstate new york fare it's like Roast beef, beef on wick, horseradish, chicken wings. You know, you ask people this question, if they're from the South, it's all like barbecue and things like that. And then up North, it's all like carbs and grease, you know, because you have to like yeah. shore yourself up for the winter, I guess. A hundred percent. Yeah. Rochester's like the garbage plate. Syracuse is chicken riggies. It's cool, though. It's There's a really neat ethnic 
mix in upstate New York. Like we've mm-hmm. got a lot of Polish folks, um, Ukrainian. And so there's a lot of like Eastern European cuisine that's just kind of like become part of what you eat in Western New York. Every town kind of has like their fests. So you've got Italian fest and you've got Polish fest and Ukrainian fest. Mm-hmm. One dish name that keeps popping into my head that might be Ukrainian. Is it halushki? Is it it's like cabbage something or another? Probably. You're asking yeah. the wrong gal. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's interesting, though, because uh, when I was doing my research, uh, I noticed that Allegheny is just a hop, skip and a jump naturally up the Allegheny River from Pittsburgh, where I grew up. And it was mm. b- very much the same mix of, uh, you know, different ethnicities of food. And, you know, there'd be these big festivals that would focus on, you know, Polish food or. I didn't realize you grew up in Pittsburgh. That's cool. I grew up partially in Pittsburgh. I, I, I've been everywhere, man. Yeah. I lived in Pittsburgh for probably about three and a half, four years. And I went to high school and college about an hour outside of Pittsburgh and. West Virginia, of all places. <laughs> cool. Did you go to uh, West Virginia University? No, no. I went to West Liberty. It was a state college. Then it's a university now. I Got was it. Ba- basically everyone in my high school who didn't want to leave town uh, just drove half an hour up the road and went to West Lib. <laughs> so so I, I was one of those. Well, that's funny because my family business is lumber. Mm-hmm. My mom's side of the family owned a lumber company for like 200 years or something crazy like that. Oh, wow. And yeah, so obviously when it was first founded, the major route for shipping lumber was the Allegheny River and they mm-hmm. would ship a lot into Pittsburgh. I feel like I heard a rumor that my grandfather once rafted from Allegheny to Pittsburgh, but I'm probably, that's probably incorrect. That's got to be incorrect. <laughs> It was like he took a ferry, but then he claimed it was rafting after the ferry. He was like, you know, I was going through the <laughs> Yeah, or he like read a book and told us it was him. I don't know. <laughs> he, read, he read Huck Finn and he was like, you know, yeah, yeah, I remember going down there. That could down be the- me. <laughs> that yeah. could totally be me. So if somebody's heading to Allegheny for a visit, uh, what is the can't miss thing they need to do while they're there? I would say walk the river trail. There's a five mile loop that goes, it starts at, well, it can start wherever because it's a loop. I recommend parking at St. Bonaventure, hopping mm-hmm. on, running, biking, walking. The region that Allegheny is in is just, it's so beautiful. There's rolling hills and so much biodiversity and trees. And, and so I'd say just hop on the river trail, go on a little walk. In Allegheny, where where were your favorite places to shop? And I'm not talking about, you know, Kmart or whatever. I'm talking about like local places, local businesses. Oh, my gosh. I mean, none of these places exist anymore. Uh, so this is well, that's why this this show's built on nostalgia. We, all we talk about is stuff that doesn't exist anymore. So there was a place called um, Education First, and it was mm-hmm. like a like education supply store. Uh-huh. erasers and pencils and supplies for teachers um and our babysitter lived like right up this this is in the village of allegheny not the town there's no stores in the town <laughs> so my babysitter lived like a few blocks up and her daughter was a teacher is a teacher still and she would walk us down to education first and let us buy erasers um <laughs> so that was very cool a very fun shopping experience it, it, it's amazing uh when you're a kid what can get you excited yeah like erasers yes or a uh, pencil that changes colors when i hold it in my hand yes please right so that was you know like as a child and then i think 
in my like rebellious teen years, my favorite store was like the piercing and tattoo store, if you can believe it. <laughs> my mom now knows this, so she won't find out via this podcast. But I had a fake ID when I was a kid and not, oh, wow. not like super young, but, you know, like mm-hmm. 15, 16 and only to like get tattoos. Um, <laughs> so it was a regular there and, you know, buying new jewelry for all my piercings and just a weird child. Um, well, I, when I grew up, I was very much in the punk rock scene. So it was like, so if you you get didn't, it. If, yeah, if you didn't have a tattoo, you weren't cool. And like the sooner you could get it, the better. If you could have a secret tattoo at 17, man, you were the coolest. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. So is that and then I was really into like old cars. And so there was like a used car lot. I mean, these are like weird examples of shopping places, but <laughs> I spent a lot of time at the used car lot. Um, I got a... Uh, I I mean, this was, I obviously did not have money to purchase vehicles, but my parents graciously uh, (laughs) purchased for me a, um, like, 1976 banana yellow Cadillac DeVille. It was probably, like, a $1,000 car. (laughs) It was, like, really just a sack of junk, but it was so much fun to drive. It had, like, a shag rug in the back. Um, Like like that came with it. You didn't add that in, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't do anything (laughs) to this car. I drove it for maybe like 20 miles and then sold it. Um, But it had a shag carpet in the back, an eight track player. (laughs) And then the windows had like no divider. So when you rolled down the front and the back windows, it was just like one big window. It was so much fun to drive. Okay. well, we're going to take a quick break uh, to uh, play a little little statement from our sponsor, uh, Stream Media, and then we'll be right back uh, to talk some more with Faith. Where I'm From is brought to you by Stream Studio. That's S-T-R-E-A-N-N Studio. The web app that puts you in charge of the live show. Stream Studio allows you to take your streaming game to the next level by allowing you to stream to multiple platforms at once. If you want to go to Twitch, if you want to go to YouTube, if you want to go to a website that isn't supported even, you can stream to all of those platforms at once, get feedback from your audience, and most importantly, it puts you in control of the show. Now, Stream Studio has several packages that work for just about any type of broadcaster. From the free plan, where you can stream with a watermark, all the way up to the gold plan, where you can have up to eight guests. You can stream to as many social platforms as you want. You can get a web link to share your show with external audiences. And you can even get an iframe so you can embed your live stream show directly into your website. Hey, I love Stream Studio so much, I'm using it to produce this show. I want to thank Stream Studio for supporting where I'm from. And you can give this fantastic software spin and support where I'm from at the same time. Just head over to our website at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from and click on the Stream Studio banner so they know we sent you their way. And we want to thank Stream Studio for sponsoring uh, where I'm from. Go check it out. Great, great service. What are some can't-miss attractions you'd recommend to people visiting Allegheny? Ooh, well, Allegheny is, it's a really cool central location for all kinds of, like, outdoor activities. Mm -hmm. So if you're somebody who enjoys hiking, skiing, fishing, boating. Ellicottville brings in impressive numbers of visitors locally, nationally, and internationally. You can really easily access, I mentioned Ellicottville, which is the ski town. 
And because Ellicottville is a little bit more touristy, it's pretty expensive to stay there, but you could get a rental in Allegheny for real cheap. So (laughs) we're really close to Allegheny State Park and tons of hiking trails. There's lakes, there's cross-country skiing, really good bike paths as well. Mm-hmm. Kinzu Dam has a really cool old bridge that you can walk across, Letchworth State Park. It's beautiful. It's like ravines and just like really cool rock formations. And that's also very accessible from Allegheny. So these are none of these things are in Allegheny, but you can stay there and kind of hit all these really awesome places. I think the most visitors we have in Allegheny are when St. Bonaventure, it's a university, it's a Catholic school. Um, and People sometimes know who we are because every once in a while, Bonas goes to the NCAA tournament. Um, we've mm-hmm. historically had sometimes a good basketball program. <laughs> so anyway, Bonas is in Allegheny. And whenever there's, you know, new student move-ins or parent weekend or homecoming or graduation, we tend to get some people from out of town staying there. But Otherwise, it's very quiet and pretty much 100 percent locals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and not very many locals either. Yeah, I think I what was it. I think I looked it up. It was like seven thousand people or something in town. Yeah, and even that seems big to me. Well, you're not counting the mole, mole people that live underneath Allegheny. I, I'm spitting facts today, and that's right, right, right. <laughs> that's true. My brother's husband actually the first time he came home to Allegheny. We uh, we tried to spook him a little bit. We were out on a hike, and I was like, let me know if you see any kangaroos. And he was like, kangaroos? What do you mean? And I was like, yeah, they're called the Allegheny kangaroos. And in the 20s, there was a train going through town, going to a circus. It crashed. Everything died, but the kangaroos survived. Like, they adapted to survive the winters. And so now we've got kangaroos in the woods. And sometimes there's an open season because they really, you know, they've adapted well, and there's sometimes too many. So... <laughs> He lost, I mean, for, this is like a solid year, I think. He was like telling people, he's like, oh my God, my husband's from this place where there's wild kangaroos. Um, See, now I'm just kind of disappointed that you didn't try and pitch this to me as an actual fact about Allegheny. I know, this really would have been a good way to like, just get that rumor mill turning. I I mean, I could have pulled like realistic footage of kangaroos in the Northeast. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's like a cover art thing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, now, Faith, I, I noticed uh, when looking at a map, because that's part of what I do for my research, that uh, Allegheny is not too far away from uh, Niagara Falls and the Canadian border. I was wondering if you ever had any sort of adventures in the Great White North. Um, yeah, we would fly out of Toronto, usually if we're flying internationally, just because the Buffalo Airport when I was growing up was pretty small. Of course, we've been to Niagara Falls. Going to the Canadian side is way better than the American side. So if you're in Buffalo, definitely go across the bridge. What makes it better on the Canadian side? It's just a better view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. More maple syrup? A hundred percent. (laughs) Yeah. They give you free maple syrup as soon as you get there. And no, I never did the, because obviously in Canada, the drinking age, I think it's 18. At least when I was growing up, it was 18. Um, so a lot of people would go across the border and go get into all kinds of trouble. And I never did that. I think I got into plenty of trouble in the United States. I didn't have to take this show international. <laughs> yeah, I, international, there's there's harsher penalties, uh, you know, if you get into too much trouble. <laughs> there are, actually. we. Um, my brother-in-law uh, got into some trouble in Canada 
uh, trouble that like wouldn't really be a huge deal here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But he's actually not allowed to go to Canada now. We were booking, oh, really? a, yeah, we were all booking like a family trip uh, a couple years ago, and we were planning to fly out of Toronto. And he's like, actually, I can't do that. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> cute because he's like such a rule follower and like just like world class great guy yeah. that like. Being like, I actually can't go to Canada is so funny. Uh. <laughs> yeah, he, he he just accidentally uh, pissed off the most polite people in the world. Just accidentally. Right. I'm like, how do you do that? Step one, be American, probably. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were teaching for a second. We're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. But uh, I was wondering, uh, in Allegheny, were there any teachers that had a profound effect on you and might have pushed you in that direction? Oh, that's a really sweet question. <laughs> My eighth grade history teacher was the bomb. His name is Mr. Conroy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He just really encouraged me to do things that were different and um, I think treated me like an adult, even though I certainly wasn't. I was 13 years old, just like really trusted me to take initiative and, you know, come up with my own kind of like clubs and events and Mm -hmm. um so he was really a mentor for me uh for my young adult life and then my spanish teacher uh senora charles is great as well i think (laughs) it was the same the same kind of story there which is like she just treated me like an adult really early and i Mm -hmm. think when people treat treat you like an adult you're like great i'm an adult now i need to be responsible um yeah so i remember you know sometimes she would if she was going to be out and you know, there's a substitute teacher who did not speak Spanish, she would have me like if I had like a free period during the school day, like go sub her class because I could speak Spanish. Oh, nice. So that was really cool. And I think that, you know, her that kind of teaching style made me feel like, cool, I'm a Spanish speaker. I'm somebody who speaks Spanish. <laughs> and For that reason, I would like travel to Spanish speaking countries and do things that required fluency and all of that, I think, is a the way that you learn and just kind of become an expert in something. So especially when you're a kid, teenager, you know, an adult putting trust in you uh, just has such a profound impact on your self-confidence moving forward. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's something that I learned when I was teaching. It's actually like a really good um it's a really good strategy if you've got students who are just like school is not clicking with them mm-hmm. or like they're having behaviors that's making it difficult for them or their peers to learn. Giving them responsibilities like that is a great way to re-engage them and kind of just like promote the kinds of behaviors that are going to be more helpful for them. And so th- like now reflecting on that, I'm like, wait a minute, was I a problem child? Is that, <laughs> is that why they let me do all this stuff? But. You know, flip back through the years, you know, faith <laughs> finds, yeah. finds a whole new aspect of faith was you know? nearing suspension and finally someone intervened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being up north, uh, one of the reasons I moved away from up north is because there were a lot of really bad winters. We've already kind of touched on winter <laughs> a little bit. But what was the worst snowstorm you ever had to deal with? Oh, my gosh. I think as a child, I never like snowstorms never felt bad for me. Mm-hmm. because I wasn't worried about getting anywhere. Yeah. You know, if it snowed a whole lot, I had everything I needed at my house and all my friends were my neighbors growing up. So it's like, cool, we get to go outside and make snow for it. So 
But when I was in college, we had a really bad storm. I went to Colgate University, which is right mm -hmm. by Syracuse, which is also like the coldest. It's either the coldest or the snowiest city in the U.S. You may majored in toothpaste, right? I'm sorry. Yes. I was going to stop when I'm I actually wearing started. my Colgate hat today. <laughs> yeah, majored in toothpaste at Colgate. And um, but there was one storm my freshman year, and I only remember it because it was the only time classes were ever canceled for snow. Mm -hmm. And it was because all the freshmen got stuck in our dorms because the snow was so high, we couldn't open the doors. Oh, wow. So they had to wait until they dug out all the freshmen and let us all out. Um, <laughs> obviously, we didn't know we didn't know either way because we were college kids and we slept in until like 11. And by then it was all good. So <laughs> I remember one uh, snowstorm we had in college where I, my dorm was at the bottom of this really steep hill. So no one could drive up or down. And, you know, they closed the college for about a week. And so that became like the sledding hill where, mm. you know, everyone would just like tear down and sled and then crash into the dorm. So fun. There were only a couple injuries. Yeah. Oh, my God. They used to like lock down all the lunch trays or like the food, the food hall trays, because otherwise we'd steal those and sled with them. Oh, yeah. To, sl <laughs> to sled down on them. Yeah. Yeah. What took you away from Allegheny eventually? I left, obviously, to go to college originally. Um, and going back to Allegheny after college isn't really like a it's, – it's not like a career um, move, you know. You know, yeah. like, oh, man. And this was, you know, years ago before remote work was a thing. So mm -hmm. I, now I think my decisions may have been different. But, yeah, so I left to go to school. And then after school was recruited by Teach for America and placed here in Nashville. Let's uh, dig in a little on that uh, Teach for America thing, because uh, mm -hmm. uh, before your current career as a growth marketer, you were a teacher. So how, how did you fall into that and how did you uh, fall away from that? Well, I went to school for international relations and Middle Eastern studies. And so I thought I was going to get into diplomacy, probably in North Africa mm -hmm. and learn pretty quickly uh, that you don't make any money doing that. <laughs> and it's also, I mean, it's a huge commitment, obviously, like for your personal safety, but also in a lot of, um, a lot of the like entry level jobs that you would have yeah. in one of those fields, there's a commitment to stay in that country for an extended period of time. So I wasn't ready to do that as a 22 year old. So, yeah, um, I was recruited by Teach for America, which is a national teaching corps that, um, brings and trains teachers who are not traditionally trained to serve in schools where they're having trouble recruiting teachers, where there's essentially a teacher shortage. Because when it comes to making a difference today and tomorrow for every kid, right now is the moment that matters most. Now is the time to teach for America. Right now. Right now. Right now. Because you're made for more. Teach for America. I learned all kinds of stuff. I taught for three years. It's not... TFA is it's different than AmeriCorps where there might be like like AmeriCorps might provide services to like assist folks like assist teachers or um, Teach for America you are actually a teacher so you have <laughs> a, a full classroom of students who are expecting you to be a teacher and so a teacher you must be so what I really liked about that was the kind of uh, chaos that you're thrown into and <laughs> just like expected to figure it out. No one gives you a playbook. No one tells you how to do it. Um, so I love that. I love the pace. I love the problem solving that was required, the experimentation and the kind of focus on data. Teaching is 
teaching is, is a very data-centric um, profession, and I think a lot of folks miss that. Um, so anyway, when I, I knew that I didn't want to be a teacher forever. That was never the plan. And when it came time to figure out what to do next, I was like, you know what? I think all the things that I really love about teaching are true in startups. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I kind of got into this world. Uh, some people might say a, a lot of startups are just a, a big classroom of kids playing around anyway. A hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, since we're kind of leaning in that direction anyway, uh, why don't you tell me about uh, what you're doing now uh, with Gun.io? Welcome back to the Frontier Podcast. You guys have taken a, a brief hiatus, but we are back with season two. Um, and season two is going to be a little bit different than season one. We've got almost 200 episodes. Which so I'm on the growth marketing team. And what we do specifically is figure out how to help the company grow. Um, and that usually looks like, you know, anything that has to do with the brand, mm -hmm. making sure that people know who we are, what we do. Um, as a business, what we do is we connect senior software developers with companies who need senior software developers. There's like a huge need with companies like us, actually, who don't have um, an internal recruiting function and don't have the resources to kind of send one of their developers off to become a, a recruiter. Yeah. To help them kind of find the right talent for the project at hand. Yeah, I I, I will say that um you know as a former freelancer and this might have come up in my job interview, mm -hmm. but one of the things I really liked about you guys as a company when I was interviewing was that uh you know back in the day when I was freelancing it was a lot of, a lot of times it was a race to the bottom mm -hmm. where you know it was all about like undercutting the next guy so you could get the gig and everything where gun.io seems like it focuses a lot more on like higher quality talent uh, connecting them with higher quality clients mm -hmm. yeah a hundred percent and not using rate as the selling point um, mm -hmm. I think there's so many ways to think about compensation as a freelancer uh-huh and the, the person who's best suited to make that decision is you. And so we really, if a, if a freelancer gives us, you know, their expectations for salary or rate or whatever it is, we're committed to getting that for them. Yeah, that race to the bottom is really, you'll see that a lot, a lot in marketplaces that are self-serve mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we're now humans are adapted to Amazon style buying, which is like, all right, here's a... 10 products that are all kind of the thing I want. Let me just like choose the one that's going to get here the fastest and be the cheapest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Irrespective of quality. Exactly. Yeah. And applying that to human skill, I think is just inherently flawed. Um, so we're, kind of, we're an anti-marketplace in that sense. Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, anyone can go and sign up and make an account. Obviously anyone can go and sign up and make an account, but they're vetted. Uh, you guys work direct you guys know people's names where they're not just a number in a database yeah exactly and all of our all the developers that are on gun.io and approved are vetted by senior developers so mm -hmm. they're not vetted by like an algorithm or a random code test or like <laughs> someone like me who's not a developer um there's a team of senior developers who runs that vetting process um, and anybody who they approve to be on the platform, that's them putting their stamp on them. Like, yeah, I would hire this person or like I would work with this person. Yeah. And then all of our developers are also matched to companies by fellow senior developers. So, again, you know, if you engage with a recruiter, the person that they're choosing for you 
they're not the the recruiter isn't a developer, so they're probably missing a lot of nuance in that match. Yeah. I always tell folks like the best endorsement is that every single technical person who's on our team, so every, our entire DevRel team, our entire engineering team, our entire product team, we hired them on the Gun.io platform using the same process that we use for our clients. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, uh, oh, what's the what's the idiom? I, I just eating your own dog food. Eating your own dog food, exactly. <laughs> we like to say drinking our own champagne because dog food just feels gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in a pinch, it has some nutrition value to it, but okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're like not at all, Bill. Not at all. Yeah. Okay, it. Faith. Uh, we're gonna play a game here real quick. This is a new one I've just developed uh, that I've started throwing into the rotation. I love it though. Wheel, Wheel of, of anecdotes. anecdotes. So I'm going to give you a suggestion and your challenge is to respond with a short anecdote from Allegheny. Uh, You know, the shorter, the better. So are you ready? You think you can handle this? Let's do it. All right. Hamburger. Uh, Burton Burger. The Burton is a bar. They Mm -hmm. have really good burgers. It's called the Burton Burger. If you're ever driving through Allegheny, you should go there. Best burger in town. Mm -hmm. Okay. Allegheny River. There are giant salamanders in there called hellbenders. Hellbenders can be super nasty. So Mm -hmm. if you see a hellbender, don't try to pick it up. Confirm then. uh, Hellbenders have uh, fangs and they will bite you and you will turn into a hellbender yourself. Maybe maybe nasty is because if you have them like in your creek or pond or something, they'll kind of ruin the ecosystem. Ecological scourge, rather. Exactly. Okay, chipmunk. Chipmunk is a small, like... I don't know if it's technically a town, but it's what everybody else would consider a neighborhood mm-hmm. um, in Allegheny where a family called the Frenches lives. Fancy. Yeah. Uh, have, have you ever met the Frenches? Do they act like they're they're named French? You oh, know, like <laughs> no, but they're they're part of like a huge family ecosystem. And I don't know like the appropriate term for this family, like which family name they use to describe themselves, because it's kind of the it's a bunch of families all tied together. Have I ever met the Frenches? Absolutely, we went to school <laughs> together. <laughs> music. We have a fun school band. <laughs> I was first chair saxophone in the school band Ooh. and went to Allstate. And all of my best friends are like three guys who were just like losers. I love them so much. They're still my best friends, but like <laughs> they were in band class because they needed the credit and none of them actually, they knew that they were never going to learn how to play an instrument. So they're like, let's just do whatever face doing because we know she'll carry the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole saxophone section was me and my friends and none of the guys knew how to play. So it was just me. Is there a trick to making your saxophone sound like three saxophones or... The trick is the the three guys were just, they were very kind of endearing and sweet. And so the band director totally knew they weren't playing, but would never call them out on it. <laughs> now, do you still play saxophone or? No, but I did bring my saxophone back to Nashville with me in hopes that maybe I could, you know, do a little street performing. I don't know. I can play nice. maybe Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> High school hangouts. High school hangout. Honestly, my house. Your house? I was the youngest of three. And so by the time I was in high school, my parents were like, "Mm, just don't like kill anyone. (laughs) Like after school, everyone came over. I I love to cook and I love to cook when I was in high school too. Mm -hmm. Um, So they knew there was always gonna be food in my house. Last but not least, and this one might not hit, Arch Nemesis. Arch Nemesis. Arch Nemesis. 
Ooh. I don't know that I have a, an arch nemesis in Allegheny, but Allegheny's mm-hmm. arch nemesis, like as a town, is Olean, which is the <laughs> town right next door, which is hilarious because all of our friend groups are kind of the same. But yeah, boo Olean Huskies. <laughs> Go Allegheny Gators. <laughs> Friendly connecting town rivalry. I exactly. Guess you could say that. Yeah. Wheel, Wheel of, of Anecdotes. Well, uh, Faith, uh, thank you for playing the game. I would like to let you know you won absolutely oh, nothing, uh, cool. but you don't get anything, but you won the game. Great. You won the game. <laughs> Great. Thank you again uh, so much for joining us today, Faith. It's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, we end up we end up talking quite a bit every week, but not really like this. It's all about you know, this, that, and the other. So it's nice to kind of have a nice relaxing conversation with you. Speaking of the reason we talk every week is because Gun.io has a podcast out that's been out for, coming out with a new season for the past several weeks now called The Frontier. Why don't you tell people a little bit about that and where they can find it while I take a breath? Bill is our <laughs> producer. Uh, so shout out to Bill if you like it. It's the, very well edited. It is, I'll, it's I'll just very say that well right. edited. We've got a beautiful, sharp video you can watch on YouTube or if you're, an audio only person like me, obviously you can do that. But yeah, the Frontier podcast started as kind of a peek into what was happening in the tech industry. You know, there's a million and one podcasts about what people are doing at Facebook, Google, Apple, et cetera. But there's not a lot of podcasts about what the other 98% of technology-based companies (laughs) are doing. And I think that's really where most changes are kind of rooted where they come from are these uh, these kind of smaller companies. So anyway, uh, we started by interviewing leader technology leaders at, the, at those companies to get a sense of what was next on the frontier. Mm-hmm. Um, and this season, we decided to actually look internally at ourselves at Gun.io and share a little bit more about what we've learned over the last decade doing what we do. Yeah. Um, and then also kind of what what we're learning now in this season of change. Um, We just took on a Series A investment, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, you know, for listeners who have gone through any sort of venture funding, (laughs) you know that that comes with a lot of change. So um, we're really candid about that. And we're making an effort to interview folks across the team and get a sense of like, you know, hey, what have you learned? What are you learning now? What challenges are you facing? And just being transparent about those. Speaking as somebody who has to, you know, go over every episode with a fine tooth comb, it's great because it kind of, yes, it's very specific to gun.io and what they're doing, but there's a lot of general lessons that you guys pull from there, you know, throughout the course of the conversation where it sounds like it's getting really inside baseball and then you guys come to a point and, oh, no, this applies to any business, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, really fun. Check out the Frontier podcast. Uh, I edit it. So if you like my editing on where I'm from, you'll like it there, too. (laughs) Thank you again, Faith, so much for uh, joining us today. Yeah, Bill, thanks for having me. This is really fun. I'm excited to listen to all the other episodes as well. Awesome. Awesome. Please do at least three or four times, you know, just for the numbers. Yeah, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, if you like the show and you want to support us, please uh, consider going over to Apple Podcast and leaving us a honest review. I prefer five stars, but if you want to make it four, being honest, I understand that. Uh, You can also, uh, you know, spread word of mouth by sharing episodes online. Or like I said at the top of the episode, if you want to get involved in a call-in episode of where I'm from, shoot me an email 
bill at billmeeks.com and telling me about where you're from and we'll try and have you on. You can also find uh, links to all of the platforms, the Spotify's, the Apple Podcasts of the world, uh, show notes for every episode, all that at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from. And you can watch us live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash billmeeks. Uh, we don't have a regular schedule yet, but, uh, you know, we pop up live every once in a while. Just hit notifications and, and you'll get them. Uh, great. Well, thanks again so much for joining us from where I'm from. And come back next week where we talk to somebody else about where they're from. See you next time. <laughs>